I'm going to ask you to stand as we read a few scriptures this morning, and then we're going to share a word from the Lord. The first verse that I'm going to read is Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39. This is the first message that was preached to the true church, the very first message, and it is still the message of the church today. Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off and as many as the Lord our God will call. I want you to notice there are three things, not two. It's not just repentance and water baptism doesn't end there. It's repentance, water baptism, and then baptism in the Holy Spirit. The church desperately needs the Holy Spirit today. And so we need to act on that verse of Scripture. Matthew 3, 11, it says, I indeed, John the Baptist, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. John 7, 38, 39, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. This spoke he of the Holy Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Then in exhortation in Ephesians to the church, do not be drunk with wine in which there is dissipation, but be ye filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And then also Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and at the most parts of the world. Zechariah 4.6, So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. Father, we thank you this morning that we can freely gather in this place to worship your name and to receive your word. We thank you for your word, which, is, which never will pass away. For you said your word is an everlasting word. Heaven and earth shall change, but the word of the Lord will endure forever. So we pray for the anointing of your word this morning. We also pray for the anointing of each heart that people may receive the word of life, that our lives may be transformed, that we may bring honor and glory to your name. We thank you for this privilege and we pray this morning in every campus that your name will be exalted and glorified. Amen. Amen. God bless you. you may be seated. In 1 John 4, the Bible speaks, uh, the John speaks about uh, there will be many spirits and don't listen to every spirit. Then he speaks about the spirit of the Antichrist. 
And he says this spirit is already here now. That was when John wrote that book. At that particular time, the spirit of the Antichrist was already in the world. But today he's more visible than ever before. If there's ever been a generation of people that, have a, that see just how awful and wicked the spirit of the Antichrist is, we are those people. And so the, the Antichrist spirit is all over the world right at this moment and he's becoming very, very bold. And what you and I must understand that the spirit of the Antichrist has one goal and one purpose. That is to remove God from the face of the earth. The Antichrist spirit is against the word of God. He's against the church, every believer. He's anti-God, anti-Holy Spirit, anti-Jesus. And that spirit is in the world today. He wants to eradicate everything that speaks of the God of the Bible. And because of that, the church needs to wake up. We need to not only sing about the Holy Spirit, but we need to be men and women that are full of the Holy Spirit. Every single day when we get up, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to fill us so that we can be overflowing with rivers of living water. Just as Tim spoke last week, he spoke about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he spoke about the boldness of those three young men. When they were threatened and they were thrown into a fire, fiery furnace heated seven times hotter than ever before because they would not bow to the idol of Nebuchadnezzar. They said this, and they were bold. They, they, they were bold. They stood for what they believed in. And, and the exhortation from Tim last week was that we all become bold and strong in the Lord and not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and that we don't bow the knee to those that hate God, but that we stand. When they were threatened, those three young boys, they said, we will not bow, O king. Our God is able to deliver us. And if not, we still will not bow. That's faith. We still will not bow. They threw them into that furnace. And when they looked in, they said, didn't we throw in three? Now we see four. And the fourth is unto this, looks like the Son of Man. You see, Jesus was with them in the fire. And I want to tell you this morning, if you and I make a bold stand for the Lord Jesus Christ in these days, the fourth man will be with us. Hallelujah. So I want to just share a little bit about the power of the Holy Spirit. At, the very, at this very moment, the church is very well equipped. I'm not speaking particularly of Waters Church. I'm speaking generally. We have everything. We have the best preachers, the best music. We have uh, everything of the best. What we still desperately need is men and women to be full of the Spirit of God. There's a tragic story in the Old Testament. Because what you've got to understand by, about God, God never hides things. He reveals the good and the bad. He reveals people's weakness as well as their strength. And he does this so that we can learn by their mistakes. And this tragic story in the Old Testament is the story of Samson. An angel came to the wife of Manoah 
and said, you are going to have a son. You will call him, him Samson because he will begin to deliver God's people from the hands of the Philistines. You see, God's people had a major problem in the old covenant. One moment they were serving God and they were bowing down to his commandments. They were walking in obedience and they were experiencing great blessing from God. But the very next moment they were bowing to idols and worshiping idols. And every time they turned their back on God and they worshiped idols, God allowed the enemy to come in and to take them into bondage. And they would suffer. You see that right from the very beginning. And then they suffer under their taskmaster. And they cry unto the, God, unto the Lord for deliverance. And they pray for the Lord to come and set them free. And God sends a deliverer. And yet it was the same case. And Samson was to be a deliverer. He was anointed by the Spirit of God. Samson did great things. Uh, his name, Samson, means sunlight. Because he brought us a, a ray of hope in the dark era of Israel's history. And so here we find this man, eventually he's grown up and he's anointed by the Spirit of God. He does remarkable things. And number one, he kills a lion with his bare hands. Not only that, he rounds up 300 foxes, ties their tails together, and puts a torch between them and burns down the crops of the Philistines. The Bible says he slew 30 men of Ashkelon because they got the secret out of his wife and he had to pay them garments for that. And so he kills them. The Bible says he kills a thousand men with the jawbone of an ass. It says when he came back to his wife one day, the father-in-law said, because you were gone, I gave your wife to somebody else. Samson was furious and there's a great slaughter. He pulls down those pillars of that great temple uh, so that thousands of people lost their lives. So Samson, right throughout his life, was a man that was moved by the Spirit of God. Every single time when you read it, you see the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson. And Samson did these great things. He was moved by God's Spirit. But then he messes around and he fools around all of his life. He doesn't walk in the light. He doesn't obey. He was a Nazarite. A Nazarite is not a Nazarene. Nazarenes came from Nazareth. But the Nazarites were a group of people who were fully dedicated to God. They made vows to God. And Samson breaks those vows. And the Bible says, if you make a vow unto the Lord, see that you don't break that vow because God does not delight in fools. And Samson breaks the vows, one after the other until Delilah finds the secret of his strength. And she says, Samson, what is your strength? And he, he tells her something else. He, and she, she whines and dines him and he falls asleep. And she gets the Philistines to come in. And she says, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. The Bible says he got up. And he slew them. Later on, she tries again. Samson, a few times she tries, then he gives her a different story. And uh, every time he gets up and he overcomes the Philistines. But when he eventually tells us because his long hair, she cuts off his hair. And the Bible says, she says to the Philistines to come and to arrest him. And they come. 
And she says, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And the Bible says he got up and he thought he will do as he always did, but he did not know that the Spirit of God had departed from him. Departed from him. What you sow, you reap. And Samson is taken, the mighty deliverer of Israel, God's champion. His eyes are taken out. He's bound. No longer can he break the chains. And he's grinding in the prison house. The man that God sent to deliver his people. And one day they all gathered in their big arena and they said, send out Samson that he may make sport for us. And they bring Samson into that arena. Now he's the fool of Israel. They cheer him and they jeer him and they're laughing at him. He's blind, he's bound and he's been grinding in the prison house. And then he lets a little boy to lead him to the pillars that holds that, upholds that whole place. Puts his arms between the two pillars and he looks to God and he says, God, give me my strength back one more time that I may avenge these people for what they've done to me. The Bible says he pulled those pillars down and he killed more people in his death than in his life. Do you think for one moment that God's plan and purpose for this mighty deliverer was to die like that? In fact, what's quite amazing, when you ever the Spirit of God came upon Samson, it was always because of Samson's desires, not because of the will of God. And even here, at the end of his life, when he asked God to return that power, he's not thinking of God's purpose. He's thinking of himself. He said that I may avenge me myself, that I may avenge myself for these people. Nonetheless, the grace of God gives him that power to do that. Because in doing that, even though he walked in disobedience, God's will and purpose was still fulfilled. Let me tell you this morning, if you and I are not willing to fulfill God's purpose and God's plan, it's still going to go ahead. It will still go ahead. And so here we find this man, Samson, in this terrible condition. And I want to say to all the campuses this morning, if we reject the Holy Spirit, if we brush him aside, if we take no note of him, if we think it's foolishness when he moves among us, we will end up like Samson, blind, bound, and grinding. We cannot afford to join those religious people who are always talking bad about the Holy Spirit, cheering at him, laughing at him, saying it's mockery when he begins to move and does things which we don't understand. We have to have open hearts for God's Spirit that he can do what he wants to do. And I want to tell you it's a terrible thing when the Spirit of God has departed. Let me tell you this morning, there are many churches functioning this morning without the Spirit of God. They are so slick, they are so smart, they know just how to run that program. But there's no room for the Holy Spirit. There's no place for the Spirit of God. When you go to the book of Revelation and it's the consummation of all things, when God speaks to seven churches, there are no seven churches represent the churches of all time. He commends them for the good things, but He also rebukes them for certain things. To the one church, He says, you, I have this against you, you've lost or you've left your first love. Repent. 
To another church, he says, you think you're rich, but you're poor. To another church, he says, you think you're doing well. You think you're alive. Your programs are great, smart, dynamic, and you think you're alive, but you're dead. You're dead. You see, there needs to be room for God's spirit. And the room is in your heart and my heart. We need to open our lives for the Holy Spirit. And so there's the tragedy. Did not even know that the Spirit of God had left him. I've seen over the many years in ministry, men that God blessed and anointed. And then they start getting smart with the Holy Spirit. They start playing games with the Holy Spirit, throwing cloths on people and jackets on people so that they can fall down. And they say it's the Holy Spirit, but they did not know the Holy Spirit has already departed. Because he does not get involved in foolishness. And so that's a tragedy. That's a tragedy. No, you know, the, the wonderful thing is God's grace. God could have looked away and said, Samson, I'm done with you. But when you go to the book of Hebrews chapter 11, and you read about the great heroes of faith, you'll find Samson's name there. What is, what is the difference between disaster and your name written in the book of heroes? God's grace. God's grace. Jesus was a man just like you and I. The Bible teaches that he laid down his prerogatives as God and he became a man. Every temptation you and I experience, Jesus experienced. And he was a man just like you and I. For 30 years, there's no, not much talk about him. There's no miracles, there's nothing, really. But after 30 years, when he's 30 years old, he goes down to the River Jordan and he's baptized by John the Baptist. John the Baptist spoke about him early on. He said, the one that's coming after me is greater than I, and he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And John the, baptized, John the Baptist baptizes Jesus, and the Bible says, as he comes up out of the water, heaven opens up, and the voice of the Father says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And immediately the Holy Spirit descends upon him in a form of a dove. And by the way, there is the triune God. God the Father speaking from heaven, God the Son standing in, in the water, and God the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus. And Jesus was then anointed by the Spirit of God. And from there, he's driven into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. The Holy Spirit took him there. It was a time of testing. The devil came with all these things and tried to get Jesus to to slip up and to fall, but he stood. Kept on saying, it is written, it is written, it is written. He overcame, he defeated the devil in the wilderness. And by the way, when he was in the wilderness, he was hungry, he was thirsty, and he was lonely. That's when the devil attacked him, but he defeated him. The Bible says the devil left for a later time. And so Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, then begins to do miracles. He begins power evangelism. The miracles that Jesus did was not to draw attention to himself, but to draw attention to the gospel of, the, of God. And he performs all these miracles. But he says this in one place. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to, re to preach the gospel to the poor, uh, to heal the broken heart, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to restore sight to the blind, to free those that are oppressed. He says, that's why the anointing is upon me. 
And so the church must open for that anointing to flow so that the will of God can be done among people. People are oppressed. People are brokenhearted. People are lost. People are bound. People in all these issues and problems of their lives. And it's only the Holy Spirit that can set them free and break those bondages. So Jesus was anointed. And then he begins miracles. Now listen. Samson was a deliverer, but he was a shadow. All the Old Testament things are shadows of the New Testament. He's a shadow of the greatest deliverer that was yet to come, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is a, a deliverer. He said, I've come to seek and to save those that are lost. Came to destroy the works of the devil. Came to deliver us from the power of the evil one and set us free that we may be free. That's why the Bible says, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And so we see very clearly from Scripture that Jesus needed the anointing of the Holy Spirit because He was a man just like you and I. And all the miracles that Jesus performed, if you look through, through the Corinthians where they mention every miracle that Jesus performed, He did not perform it as God in the flesh, but He performed it as a man who was anointed by the Spirit of God. Every single one. And He sets the pattern. He sets the pattern for the church today. The church are people of deliverance. We're not just about coming together and singing and stating all our plans and our things. We're about delivering. We're about setting people free. We're about change where we live and where we work and where we play. In fact, that's how it should be. We, we come to get filled. We come to get encouraged. We come to get built up. We come to get taught. We come to get trained so that we can go. The Great Commission is going to all the world. And I know it's very difficult for us to, to speak to people about Christ. It's, it's very hard and, and, and a lot of people struggle with it. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. To have boldness to speak to men and women about Jesus. The Bible says when Jesus rose again from the dead... He appeared unto his disciples and it says he breathed on them and said, receive the Spirit. What happened? What happened when he did that? They were born again. You see, when you go to the Old Testament and you see God takes some dust of the earth and he forms man in his own image and likeness, uh, it's only a form. But when he breathes in the breath of life, it becomes a living soul. And so when Jesus breathed on them, they became living souls. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the life giver. And he gives those people life. And he says to them, now I want you to go down to Jerusalem. And I want you to sit and wait till you receive power from on high. And so they go down there and they wait. Wait for the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost was celebrated by Jewish people from all around the world. They all gathered there for the, for the feasts. Pentecost means 50th. And Jesus, when he rose again from the dead, he was with his disciples for 40 days. And then 10 days later, the day of Pentecost came. Now, in the, in the Old Testament, so, uh, David wanted to build a temple for the Lord, a permanent place. And God said to him, no, David, you cannot build this temple for me because you're a man of war. But your son Solomon will build the temple. And so the Bible says they built the temple. Beautiful temple. Gives you a lot of uh, information about it. And Solomon builds this temple. And then it tells you in Chronicles that there were 120 priests. 
that day when the Ark of the Covenant was put in its rightful place in the temple. And it says that the glory of the Lord came down that the priests could not stand. The glory of the Lord was so powerful that those priests could not stand. You know what they were saying? The Lord he is good and His mercy endures forever. I, I heard someone say to me one day, you know, I'm sick and tired of, of these uh, uh, little songs that we sing. Little, little songs that we sing that, that are, are so like childish. You know what they say? The Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. The Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. And the glory of the Lord came down. Day of Pentecost, the glory of the Lord came down. It says those 120 were waiting with great expectation. They knew something was going to happen. The Bible says they were there with one accord. They were united. How important it is for unity in the body of Christ in the church. How, how important it is for all of us to be like-minded. Because the Bible says where there's unity God, among the brethren, God commands a blessing. And so you and I must be unified. We must catch the vision of the church. We must stand behind it. We must pray for it. We must pray for one another. Encourage one another. You don't need to criticize one another. You don't need to pull one another down. We need to lift each other up so that the body of Christ can be strengthened in this day and age in which we are living. I'm telling you this morning, listen to me. There's a day coming, there's going to be two kinds of people. Those that are filled with the Spirit of God and those that are demon-possessed. We can see the demonic all over the place now, people in high places, they demon possess the things that they do, the fruit of their lives is demonic. And the church needs to be on fire. And that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. It says they were one accord and then suddenly, suddenly, God often does things suddenly. That's why you should not stay away from the house. You never know when God's gonna meet your need in a miraculous way. When suddenly God's going to intervene, and like a mighty rushing wind, it blew through there and there was cloven tongues of fire. What did John the Baptist say? He said, he's going to baptize you with fire and the Holy Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, they were. They were cloven tongues of fire. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit gave them utterance. They spoke in other languages. I think the churches have been a little bit confused here. Because some people get a problem with people speaking in tongues. This, this year are known languages. You see what happened in, when, 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 in the time of, the, of, of, of Babel, when the people said, we'll build ourselves a, a tower to reach heaven. God was displeased with them. They were all speaking the same language and he scattered them and he made many languages out of one language. It was a miraculous thing. But here on the day of Pentecost, there's another miraculous thing. He takes a game. One language, and he makes many languages, so that all the people that were gathered and said, what's going on here? Who are these people? We hear them speaking in our own languages, the wonderful works of God. What was going on? The Spirit of God gave them utterance. The Spirit of God allowed them to praise the Lord in every single language that was uh, presented there. And people heard what these people were saying about God. It was a miracle, miraculous thing. Now, there were other people. I said, what's wrong with these people? They drunk. They drunk. 
What made them say that? They didn't stagger. They didn't do weird things. But what made them? What made those people say that these people are drunk? Peter said they're not drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. Pub opens 10 o'clock. That was a joke, by the way. <laughs> they're not drunk. This is that which was spoken to us by the prophet Joel. The church needs this, that is that. We need it desperately, amen. Why did they say they, they were drunk, why? Why did they mock them? Because number one, they were loud. Some of you don't like loudness. You've got a problem with it, it's too loud. Preacher speaks too loud. But they were loud. It says when they noise the broad, the wonderful works of God. Not only that, and, and, and why does it, why, why do they say, oh, they, they drunk? Because that's what drunk people do. Drunk people are loud. I'm a very quiet person when I'm not preaching. And I've been like that all my life, but when I got drunk, I was loud, loud. Not only that, they were filled with joy. They were happy. They must have been jumping around, praising the Lord. And if you, what's wrong with it? They drunk. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And you know, drunk people are happy. <laughs> they get drunk and they say, I'm going to drink all my problems away. But the problem is it's temporal. Problems come back and they bring cousins and uncles with them <laughs> to make life harder for you. So they were, they were loud and they were, they were filled with joy. And the third thing about them is that they were bold. I, I mean, something happened at Pentecost. You must understand this man, Peter, uh, he was uh, one day a young girl accused, and I've used it so many times. She says, hey, I know you. You were with that man, Jesus. The Bible says he swore. Hey, I don't know him. Who's he? He actually swore and denied Jesus. Jesus said, when the cock crows twice, you'll deny me three times, and it happened. But now something happens to this man. He's now filled with the Holy Spirit. There's tremendous boldness. And he looks at those people, and he says, with your wicked hands, you have crucified the Lord of glory. He could have lost his head by saying that. But he was bold. He stood strong because he was full of the Holy Spirit. And he says, now every one of you, you've got to repent and be baptized in water and you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. And 3,000 people were saved. It was the celebration of harvest time. And yeah, we see a harvest of 3,000 people getting saved. Where did he get the boldness from? Not in the Bible school, but from the Holy Spirit. And that's what the Holy Spirit has given to us for. He's given to us for boldness. He said, you're going to receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, at the most parts of the world. Where is Jerusalem? Jerusalem is where they live. Jerusalem is where their homes were. Jerusalem was where the people knew them. He said, you first be a witness right there where you live, right there among your family, right there among your acquaintances before you go anywhere else. And then from there to Judah and Judea, and from there to Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Let me tell you, after the day of Pentecost, Jerusalem changed. 
Judea changed, Samaria changed, and the other parts of the world changed because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Attleboro will change. Maine will change. Boston will change. Rhode Island will change when God's people get filled with the Holy Spirit and we speak God's word with boldness. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you.